Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast exploring the world of work and how creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and rule breakers infuse their daily lives with creativity and curiosity. How big are your thoughts and dreams? More than that, what actions are you taking to bring them to life? Today's guest is all about the relationship between thoughts and action. Andrea Libros is a coach, podcaster, and author of She Thinks Big, the entrepreneurial woman's guide to moving past the messy middle and into the extraordinary. In our conversation, we explore how she uses the acronym TRUST to guide her clients and even herself from generating thought options to taking action. She also shares what led her to coaching and starting her own business, several tools she uses to help people get unstuck, the difference between stuck and progress stress, and why sometimes labeling a goal as a priority can help it get accomplished. Show notes for this episode can be found at gwtw.co slash 758. While you're there, you'll also find the entire podcast archive, links to the documentary series and weekly newsletter, and the latest merch to show your love and support. I am endlessly curious about what makes people do the things they do and what are they actually thinking Oh, interesting! driving them to take the action? Because I've figured out it's all about what they're thinking. Okay. But yeah, but it's interesting to think, what are they thinking? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Have you always been kind of curious about that or is that a new revelation? No, I think I really have been curious about it. I don't think I recognized it though until adulthood. Um, Mm -hmm. When I was in college, I recognized that and I did a lot of, I took a lot of neuroscience classes, neuropsych classes, kind of like what's going on in that brain. Um, didn't want to get into the necessarily the medicine aspect of it, (laughs) but, um, much more interested in what's, what drives people to do what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's a lot going on upstairs here for most people. Uh, Not only what we're wanting to do, but the self-talk and comparison Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a, there's a lot. And like every day, I mean, I, get messages from my clients, you know, almost they, they, they now, well, they've been working with me for a little bit. They have, they recognize that it has to do with what they're thinking, but yet they're human. Right. Mm -hmm. And they continue to have thoughts about why am I so stressed about money or what's my problem when I think about where's my next client coming from? Meanwhile, they have a whole book of business, you know, it's, so (laughs) it's really interesting to, to study this and to kind of have these human examples Mm -hmm. um, all day long in front of me. Yeah. So it makes it fun. Yeah. How do you pay attention to these things? Because you've got your own thoughts going on. And as a coach, you get to pay attention and see what's going on in other people's lives. How do you, how do you balance your thoughts and their thoughts? So I really try to, I don't want to say listen hard, but the real truth is usually not in the details of what they're saying. Mm. The real truth is usually the first thing that comes out of their mouth. <laughs> so I always write down whatever the first sentence is. Oh, interesting. What's their opening line? Yeah. <laughs> What's their opening line? And then from there, kind of I call it like play with it. Let's play with this or let's tease this apart. So today I had an example of someone who I use Voxer. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Voxer. It's kind of Mm -hmm. like a little walkie-talkie texting thing. Okay, so she Voxered me. 
And this was, she was stressing out about money. And I've been, she said, I've been up all night. I can't stop thinking about it. I just don't know why I'm thinking about it. I thought things would be happening fast. I mean, kind of, then it's this whole train of thought, right? Thought things would be happening faster. Did I invest in the wrong things? I mean, I just signed four clients and I don't have any time to do any more work until April. Like I'm booked out till then, but why am I thinking about this? Why am I thinking about this? Right? So in that first sentence, I'm up all night stressing about money and I don't know why I'm thinking about this. Okay. So I kind of pulled it apart and I was, I said, okay, let's go with the why. Mm -hmm. Why did you invest in all those things in 2023? Like what time, I always say time, money, and energy. Those are your three most valuable resources. So what did you put your time, money, and energy into this past year and why? Okay. So as she starts to kind of, so she, she actually sent me back this list, but it was just the things, (laughs) not the why. Yeah. <laughs> Not the why. So I sent it back. I'm like, I need the why. And as she wrote those whys, she realized that they each had a reason. There, she's getting to where she wants to go. Maybe she's not where she wants to be yet, but it's mm-hmm. happening. Like this is, mm-hmm. I always say, this is happening. We're going there. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of like talked herself off the ledge just by exploring the why. And I kind of picked up on that in her very first sentence. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I, I love what you said too, in that oftentimes when presented with the question of why, we respond with the what. <laughs> these yes, are, these she totally. Are the, what we're doing. She even she even listed like I'll give you an example. She listed um, she started to use a budgeting tool, hmm. so she listed the software and she wrote next to it budgeting tool. And I said, yeah, but why are you investing in a budgeting tool? Like, yes, I know it can help you create a budget, but why is that important? And then she realizes, because then I have more understanding of what's going on with my money. So now I kind of play that back. And I was like, okay, so in the past six months, you've gotten really close to what's happening with your money. Do you think that's having an impact on how you're feeling today? And is it so bad? Like, Mm -hmm. has anything, there's the other funny part. Has anything gone wrong? (laughs) <laughs> no, nothing's gone wrong. Nothing's right. gone wrong. So anyway, I don't know how we went down that rabbit hole, but yes, like the the why is super important. It's a fantastic rabbit hole because I, I believe that there's so much to be learned in those rabbit holes because those are to me the where where conversation naturally goes. And yes. I think that that shared space between people reveals so much. It does. It does. So I asked her, I said I want you to write this list of 2023 where you put your time, money, and energy. Mm-hmm. Why? And now looking ahead, do you want to continue to put your resources towards those things? Mm. Why? Okay. And <laughs> will it will those things on the list require more or less of your resources? So sometimes, you know, upfront when you're getting something going, it requires more, right? Yes. And then now that it's rolling along, which is why you used it in, you know, invested in the first place to help make your life easier, make, do things more efficiently or faster. Is it going to require as much time or money or energy? And, you know, so assessing that is actually super helpful as we start to think about what's ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that emphasis on why though, because, you know, it is a popular statement. Start with why. It is. And it all is those very things. Very, yes. very popular statement. But yes. I, I've always struggled with it because 
why is one of the more elusive things to me. And mm-hmm. it takes a lot of time, money, and energy of our yes. own accord to take to sit down and just reflect and journal or talk with smart people like you who can bring it out of us. Yeah, it's usually like I have a hard time answering my own whys, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's having that other person yeah. to kind of, I like to say, you're stuck in your own peanut butter jar. And when you're in your own peanut butter jar, it's really sticky Mm-hmm. And you can't read the labels or you can't see what's going on around you or why the peanut butter tastes like it tastes. Like you can't see the ingredients. Mm-hmm. So you need someone to be a label reader. You need someone mm-hmm. to help see why you're sitting on the shelf. You know? Or, yeah. Oh, so, and usually we can't do that for ourselves. And our family, they're not very good at it either, helping <laughs> us in a business sense. No. So, yes. <laughs> not, That's not so great. Yes. <laughs> well, one of the reasons that piqued my own curiosity about what you do is you help people, women in particular, think big. But mm-hmm. not only think big, but turn that thought into action. Exactly. And and I love that that one two relationship there because we usually hear one or the other, but mm-hmm. not oh, here's how you can actually make those big thoughts and dreams you have come to life. Yes, yes. And I, and I love that. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's, our brain also usually wants to go to what do I need to do to mm-hmm. make those dreams turn into reality, right? Like, mm-hmm. tell me the actions. Just, and I, some, I don't know about you, but I've had people say to me, I'm really good at following instructions. <laughs> so if you just tell me what to do, I mean, I will totally follow it to a T. It'll be perfect. So, okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> Stay tuned. But we got to backtrack because what you're going to do is totally going to stem from what you're thinking and then what you're feeling. And then we can get to the action part. But yes, so thinking big is something that I think we don't do enough of. I we agree. stay, right? We stay in our kind of very comfortable Again, nothing's wrong, right? Very comfortable spots. We take little teeny baby steps, but we rarely go to the place of, um, I call it the future you. We really go, mm. rarely go to that you of three, five, 10 years from now who is doing whatever they want to be doing, living the life they want to be living. And we don't, we need to ask that future person what to do today. Mm. If I want to be that person, like, hey, you who already done it, hypothetically you, future <laughs> right. you who've already done it, what do I need to do today? And they're going to help you formulate your thinking and tell you the actions. The you of today, like the very present day you, does not know. Yeah. Because if they knew, they would have already done it. So they don't know. That's my take on it. My mind just kind of blew a little bit there because it wasn't just start thinking big. Think of these things that you want to do. You went straight to who is the future you, you are, you want to be, you're going to be and ask Mm -hmm. them like that conversation is fascinating. It is. Cause it's, if you think about, okay. Um, I was just doing this this morning with some clients. So we are planning 2024. I know you're Mm -hmm. all listening to this in 2024, but we're recording this a little before. What do you want 2024 to look like? And they're Mm -hmm. all business owners. But someone said, I want to stop working every Friday at noon. I want to take the second half of the day on Friday for myself. 
and everybody's eyes lit up. That's a good one. I want that. I want that. <laughs> right. Right. Then it was the whole how. Yeah. Right. How, yeah. How's that going to happen? I try. I've tried this before, and it never works. And I <laughs> always find something. And I say I'm going to do it this week, but I'll wait till next. Whatever. So I said, okay, let's go to a year from now. And we're sitting here doing the same exercise, planning the following year, and we're reflecting on what happened. And you did take every Friday afternoon off. You're the person that takes Friday afternoons off, no no matter what. What would she tell the person today to do in order to make that happen? All of a sudden, they became solution-focused. Like, oh, she'd probably tell her to schedule like some appointments that have to do with things that she wants to do, not work appointments, you know, at one o'clock every Friday. They probably would tell her to not work work in a different location that day. They probably would tell her every vacation, have it start on a Friday afternoon. Like, so all of a sudden we kind of started brainstorming and generating ideas, but those only came from that future you person that didn't come from today. Today we were all stuck or they were all stuck. And how do we do this? (laughs) Right. So there's an example. I love that example too, because as you said, it shifts the conversation into solutions Yes. Uh, and and really thinking about, okay, these are the things that I can practically do to make that happen. I also say one of my big things about this thinking big is people say, well, how do I, how do, I do that? So part of it's mm-hmm. the future you. But I've started to use the TRUST as an acronym, T-R-U-S-T. And T stands for thought options. So mm. you could think that's never going to happen. I'm never going to take Friday afternoons off. Or you could think, well, of course I can do that and still run a successful business and do all the other things. Like there's two different options right there. So which one are you going to choose? And I like to say your thoughts are just like a tray of hors d'oeuvres. So you're at some event, it's (laughs) fancy. Someone's walking around with a tray of hors d'oeuvres and says, Chris, take one. And you look at the tray. What am I going to take? Which one? Shrimp? Bruschetta? What am I taking? So that's like a tray of hors d'oeuvres. Those thoughts are like the hors d'oeuvres on the tray. You get to choose. That's the first thing. And that I think is the hardest almost in a sense, because our own brains really have trouble coming up with those thought options. Mm -hmm. And it's really like, that's the role I think of that, your mentor, your coach, your support person, like they're the ones that are going to prompt you to create more thought options. So that's what the first T in trust stands for. Yeah. And I love that too, because it can be... I think coming up with thought options can be very challenging if you're alone or <laughs> you're yeah. uh, maybe you spin toward the negative, you know, then right. then your thoughts become a cascading effect of yeah, this this is this why did I even think that? Yeah, why did I exactly? Why did I even think that? So the R in trust stands for the real problem. So you've got to mm. identify the real problem. And the real problem or the real reason you're probably not thinking big or thinking past today is because you don't want to feel that negative feeling. Like you don't want to feel fear. You don't want to feel discomfort. You don't want to feel doubt, right? Mm -hmm. So the real problem isn't that you don't know how. The real problem is that you just don't want to feel the doubt or overwhelm or uncomfortableness that comes from it. So, and I think... Usually when I ask my clients, like, what's the problem? Sometimes it's really hard to identify (laughs) what the problem is. (laughs) So the real problem often is that negative feeling. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Yeah. Which then kind of goes into you, which is embrace uncertainty. So U stands for uncertainty. And we don't really know if you're going to take every Friday afternoon off. Mm -hmm. We don't know if your revenue is going to double. We don't know. We just don't know. And that's okay. That's okay. You just have to be cool with knowing that you don't know. And and it sounds like too, it's not only embracing that it might not happen. It's being flexible when things shift and morph and change. Yeah. And you have yeah. the power to keep it on track. Exactly. And also you have to embrace the fact that it might happen. <laughs> right? We yeah. we gotta have to give equal airtime to the fact that it might happen. Yeah. We don't do that, right? We don't mm. do that. Like I always say, give equal airtime to the to the yes, it's happening no matter what, mm-hmm. right? Because there's no reason that it should be any we should be any farther from that extreme than we are that it it's not happening. Like, oh yeah, right? They're both equally available. So embracing uncertainty is really a skill, and I think if you're someone that says a lot, I have to think about that. I'm going to think about it. And I'll get back to you, mm-hmm. right? What exactly are you thinking about? Like that's when I, if I, so sometimes if I'm in a consult call, I'll say, do yeah. I have permission to put my coach hat on when they say, I'm yeah. going to think about this? Yes, you put your coach hat on. Okay, so I'm all about thinking, obviously, but what exactly are you thinking about? No one has a good answer to that one either. They might, they might say, oh, I'm just going to make sure, do I have enough money in the bank? Or do I have the time? Or do I have the resource? You know all that before you got on the call. That's not, you know all that. So really, it's just, you don't want to feel like uncomfortable, right? Like it's scary if I take a plunge and do something. Right. So you as stand an, as for an avoider. Yeah. As, as an, an avoider, avo- yes. Yeah, I you know avoider? exactly what's going on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. So yeah, so that's the U. So then the S is seek support and secure mm-hmm. support. So we kind of mentioned before, like your family, mm-hmm. they love you, but their role is not to guide you in your business. Mm-hmm. You most of the time can't even guide yourself. So you've got to kind of secure support. And if you think back when you're a child, you all, like there's people have security blankets, mm-hmm. right? Or stuffed animals that offer them security. But as you get to be an adult, like we don't have that. It's not an option. <laughs> can't just whip out your security blanket. So I like to say humans, other humans become your security as you move into adulthood. It's just... And, and there's plenty out there. So find them, those that want to be your security blanket. I'm laughing because I saw an Instagram ad yesterday for a, a blanket that you can like step into and it like yeah. swaddles you. And Yes, yeah. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. That's so fun. <laughs> so it it does exist. It would just be very awkward if you showed up at work that way. <laughs> it would be. And I don't think you can do that. Right? Like you can't do that. They wouldn't take you seriously. <laughs> They would not, they would not. And I would wonder what they're, what they would do actually, right? (laughs) It's funny. (laughs) It's a fun image though to think about. I did send my daughter one of those at college because she was studying for finals. So I was like, this is a good thing to make you comfortable. Yes, that's a great choice. I don't want to leave you hanging. The last T in trust is take action, right? So Mm -hmm. the first one, first T was thought options. You have a lot of thought options, figure those out. And then if you're going to be a big thinker, you can't just think. You've got to actually do something. So you do yes. have to take it to that place of taking. And I like to just say, what's the next best step? Mm-hmm. That's all we need to know. Just the next best step. 
That's it. Yeah. We don't need to know all the steps. It's just the next best step. How do people respond to that framework when when it's presented to them? I think it makes it sound pretty doable mm-hmm. and also very obvious of why they're not, or of why they are where they are and maybe mm-hmm. not where they want to be. Like, oh yeah, I'm not even <laughs> entertaining the uh, the thought that this could work or I'm really just, yes, I am scared and I have fear and I'm just not okay. Like, that's a, is that really a problem? No, because they're just human emotions or they realize that they're telling themselves stories over and over again. Like they're not, there's no thought options. It's just like a story that keeps repeating. So I think what happens is they realize that this is doable. It actually creates some excitement. Someone told me the other day they felt relieved Hmm. to actually go through this process. Like, oh yeah, I'm allowed to think beyond today. I'm I'm like, I'm allowed to think that I can make this happen. Mm -hmm. So I see relief. I see possibility. I see excitement. um, And I see some energy. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It's cool too, because it, while it's focused on others, it sounds like it's a tool you can use for yourself to challenge yourself to think bigger, to figure out those thought options Yes. And, and go through that whole framework to then taking action. Yeah. So I've created actually something I call a vision to action intensive where, cause I think I, in, in studying this in writing mm-hmm. the book, I realized that some people are really good at the vision part, probably less than good at the action part, but there yeah. are the people that can dream all day, but don't do anything Yes, about it. Right. And then there are the people that just tell me the instructions, give me the next step. Okay. So I created this intensive where we take your, we, we either take your vision or we source your vision <laughs> and then we shift it into taking action. Right. And what happens there? Mm-hmm. What's that about? What does that action look like? What do I need to do this year, this quarter, this month, this week? We kind of break it down into pieces. So then you have a guide for your present you who's freaked out that this is actually something's <laughs> actually going to happen. Right. We have a guide for your present you to get to that future you. What I'm thinking about too is it's one thing to think big before you start something. So let's say your your dream is to have a business. Mm-hmm. And you think big, you converse with your future you, you figure out how you get from A to B and you do that. But then I think there's a different type of thinking big when you've been in business for five years, 10 years, yeah, 18 years, yes. 20 years. And and I'm curious what that looks like, because sometimes familiarity in what you do makes it mm-hmm. harder to think bigger. Mm-hmm. So that, that person I said, said she felt relief. Mm-hmm. She's been in business for 20 years. Oh, wow. Cool. Okay. So she's been in business for 20 years and she has these thoughts of like, should I throw in the towel? Mm -hmm. Am I done with this? Should I move on to something else? You know, those kinds of thoughts, right? Never had those thoughts. Never had that. I know. I mean, either. Never had that. So (laughs) when we went through this exercise though, she felt kind of, it almost gave her permission in a sense Mm -hmm. to think that think beyond, recognize that there are things that still haven't happened in her business that she wants to happen, right? So it was 
when you've been in it for a while, you do kind of either start to become stagnant or you really doubt why is it even worth trying to not be stagnant? You know, again, mm -hmm. nothing's wrong. Okay. So when you, we go through this vision to action exercise and really put your vision on paper and put words to it, not just thoughts in your head, actual words on a piece of paper, it does become cathartic in a sense. Like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, yeah, I can do this. Why have I been doubting this? Why have I just been dismissing it? Mm -hmm. So I think that word relief is is one that most a lot of seasoned business owners feel and permission is another yeah. word. Yeah. I like both of those words. Yeah. I was talking yesterday to a gentleman and we were talking about side projects in the creative world where yes. sometimes as creatives, when we're working with clients, we don't fully get all of our creativity out. So we have like a side project that we devote to. And, and I said, well, sometimes what happens with those side projects is it creates cognitive dissonance when then we yeah. get more fulfillment from those and maybe less revenue or no yeah. revenue <laughs> that we yeah, do right, right. With, the, the with, with over here with the clients. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious how future you, that conversation between present and future you would work in a scenario like that. So I always like to say that cognitive dissonance is like your beliefs disagreeing, mm -hmm. <laughs> okay? Like there's drama around yeah. what's possible, right? Yeah. So you say, I really just want to be, I really just want to produce podcasts. Like mm -hmm. that's what I really want to do. Why am I taking on all these other audio, audio and video production projects that are tedious and don't seem to go anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. So, but then if you... Think about this. Okay, first, there's a couple different things. Number one, you could say, I actually just wrote an article about this. You could say, okay, yes, you're doing the thing you don't necessarily love, which is the, I'll call it the, the editing piece. Okay, just straight up editing. You're doing that, you don't love it. But, or and, I have to say and, and that's actually allowing you to come in contact with more and more people. It it is creating different opportunities. Perhaps that's going to create an opportunity to produce someone's podcast when they decide they don't want to just do these YouTube shorts. They want to do a full podcast. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you kind of have to actually decide, am I going to embrace the thing that I don't love mm -hmm. and see the opportunity in it? Or the other option is to say, yeah, I'm great at this and it does pay the bills. and it steals my energy and I'm going to go over here and take a risk and start becoming a podcast producer only. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's a choice, like there's thought options. Yeah. Okay. So who does future you want to be? Does future you want to be someone who takes risks and just someone who goes for it, who actually has that podcast production company? Probably. In, or do you want to be the future you that kind of um, squeaks along one by, you know, project by project, <laughs> right. still yeah. doing the thing you hate. Like you're never going to get the thing that you love going if you don't devote enough time to it. And your brain knows that. Your brain's always like, this isn't going to work unless you're spending more time on it. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So, and that's your future you too telling you that. So mm -hmm. listen to that future you and not the cautious present you who doesn't like to feel doubt or uncertainty. Listen to the yeah. future you for the best advice. 
I love that. It sounds like future you is is more of like an intuitive sense too. Where it, it is, c- like or it future, could be. Yeah. It could be. And I think it um well it is. You know why? Because we don't have any evidence mm. yet. Okay. So our brain's always searching for evidence. So if you're someone, and a lot of creatives are like this, they're searching for evidence to pr- to give them proof that what they're doing is great, right? They're looking for the evidence and there's no evidence. Future you doesn't have any evidence because it's future you, mm-hmm. right? So you could say, well, then the only evidence I have is the past, okay? And in the past, I've been known to not follow through on projects or I've been known to have these great big ideas, but they never pan out. Mm-hmm. I say that the past can be a teacher, but it's not a fortune teller. The past does not have to be a fortune teller. And too often, we're relying on it to be a fortune teller. Mm -hmm. But it's not. The past is definitely not a fortune teller. Yes. Ooh. That's a mic drop moment there because you're absolutely right. We don't look at the past as a teacher sometimes. We look at it as a predictor of success is right. what it's often used. And that's just another that's just a logical way of saying fortune teller. It is, it is. And it's also <laughs> like we judge our past. Yes. Right? Like I suck at that. I'm not all the time. Like yeah. But like who says that was you three years ago? You know right. a lot more now. And that's the shame. That's that's the shame part of this too. Is like we judge ourselves for our past. We make us feel ashamed about it instead of incorporating it into our future success. I call it like the shame blame game. I love that. So either we feel shame around it, or we blame. Well, I didn't. I was going through a rough time then, or I didn't know what I was doing, or mm-hmm. someone got in my way, or whatever. So instead of playing that shame blame game. I teach my clients to stay in this neutral spot. Okay. I call it, I call it like, there's like a number line, Mm -hmm. you know, negative 10 and positive 10. You don't have to be at either end. You just have to be in the middle. You have to be in neutral in order to move forward, to take that next best step. You don't have to love it. You don't even have to want to do it, (laughs) but you just have to stay neutral in order to keep things moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very wise. Think about that. But that's a lot (laughs) of the work I do is really helping people stay in that neutral spot because we're human. Like we have all these emotions. We should have all these emotions, but managing them and and using them to help us propel forward, tricky, tricky stuff. Did you always want to be a coach to help people who are in this space? I didn't even know what coaching was, you know, in the beginning, right? I didn't even know what it was. So I, um, the way I got started was I was working for a company where I was doing recruiting and hiring and training for them. They kind of were like franchises in a sense. It wasn't really a franchise, but that's kind of the model. Mm-hmm. And I would hire these people on and they were starting their own businesses, right? And they'd get into it with all sorts of excitement, right? This is going to be amazing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they get to the place where I call it the messy middle, where they're like, mm, this isn't so exciting anymore. This is actually a lot of work. I'm not sure I'm cut out for this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not an expert. Okay, so all these questions. And so what I was doing really at that point was coaching them. Mm-hmm. And then after staying for that company for 10 long years, it evolved into my own coaching practice and my own business. 
that experience though, working for that corporate person company was really a good one because I saw the the trajectory of people who were entering things with lots of excitement, not under duress, but by mm-hmm. choice and just deciding whether or not as they moved along, is this for them or not? So that's, yeah. that's how I got into it. Mm. Yep. And they had to really, if I reflect back on it, mm-hmm. in order to keep going, they, thinking big was part of it. It totally was part of it. So in the beginning of my book, I tell the story of like that job experience. I myself then had to take a dose of my own medicine. And mm-hmm. when I recognized that I was kind of staying in my own small box in that role, Mm-hmm. Because it seemed like it fit my schedule. It was a good part-time gig, all those kinds of things. <laughs> right. When I realized that that's what I was doing, I got out and and started my own thing. But I didn't even know really what coaching entailed until I actually was already technically doing it. <laughs> so there's that. I love the thought options. And what I love about that specifically is that... Oftentimes, we approach thought options in the search for evidence. So, we confuse evidence with thoughts. And so, we look for the people who are doing what we want to do. And we look for the the success metrics. Yep. Instead of just having the thoughts and generating as many as possible, because there's options. At at what point do we... I think we need those measures of success as possibilities, but do we confuse the two too early in the process? Okay, so here's a concept that I kind of seems to uh, land with people. So I think of there being, I call it a thought bridge. Mm. Okay, so there's a thought bridge. So there's a river, it's called the River of Misery. Okay. And it's, it's river of misery is like really a fast moving river and you don't want to be in the river of misery. And on one side of the river is the land of possible. Mm. Like, okay. Yeah. I could make a million dollars, but I also could not. I mean, I know it's possible, but I don't know. Okay. So you're debating over there on the other uh, side is the land of inevitable. Mm. Okay. So actually, sorry, I misspoke. There's The land of inevitable is on one side. The land of impossible is on the other side. So impossible, inevitable, and at the top of the bridge is possible. Hmm. Okay? So sometimes people come to me and they're already at possible, but let's say you're at an impossible. In order to get all the way to inevitable, you have to bridge your thoughts. So if you picture this little bridge as little wooden planks over this river of misery, each of those planks represents a thought. Okay, like, all right, no way am I making a million dollars. Well, then the next thought, I could make a hundred dollars. Then the next thought is, I have services that are worth more than a hundred dollars. Then the next thought is, what would happen if I charged for those services? Mm. What would, okay, so it's, it's, okay, now you're like, "Mm, all right, I can see this being possible. You got to the top Mm -hmm. of the bridge. And then you have to kind of generate more thoughts to go from possible to inevitable okay, I'm going to work at this for as long as it takes. Nothing's going to hurt me in the process. Mm. I know what I'm doing. I have something that's super valuable. The more and more I charge, the more money I make. So you have to kind of bridge your thoughts from this land of impossible to the land of inevitable. I don't know what you think of that. 
but that's kind of a great way that I kind of visualize it. Yeah, that's a fantastic way to visualize it because I think what it does is it helps you to um, respond with real data. Like, yeah, you know, I can make $100. Like, there's data there. <laughs> generally for right, most people. Right, and right. and I, and I think that that is an excellent way of getting out of comparison mode and right. instead focusing on what I can do. Yes. Yes. Cuz comparison mode is never helpful. No. Even if you're like, well, if she can do it, I can do it. <laughs> right. Right? I don't think that's even helpful because then you go into the whole how thing. Mm-hmm. It's also possible that that kind of thought bridge can help you move from co- a cognitive dissonance too. Mm-hmm. When it, it, what came to mind too is the difference between stuck stress and progress stress. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like when you're on the side of the bridge where everything is impossible, you're going to feel a different kind of stress than when you're at the peak and moving down towards inevitable. Mm-hmm into progress mm-hmm. stress, as you call it. Yes, yes. So the progress stress, usually you start out in progress stress sometimes, and then you get into stuck stress, and then you go back to progress stress. That stuck stress is like a place where you can't really access your genius brain. Mm-hmm. You Everything seems to become more and more complicated. It, it increases in intensity when you're in stuck stress everything becomes problematic. And when you move into progress stress, you're like, okay, this may not be fun, but I can do it. Like you're Mm -hmm. motivated. You're taking actions. Stuck stress, no actions. No actions. Mm -hmm. But people, we're again, we're human, right? We all get into that stuck stress mode. And so I hear the story kind of of, I was really doing well for a while and things were going great. But now... And even but now can be because like you've had some success in and of itself and you don't know how to manage the success. That Mm. can create stuck stress. So we're usually, things are going along and then, so you're in that progress, then you're stuck and then you got to get out of it. And that's again, a lot of what I help do because you've got to have some different thought options in order to get out of it. Yes. Yes. Another thing that I wrote down that I was really intrigued by was downgrading goals into priorities in order to get out of that stuck and get into progress. That blew my mind. Yeah. Goals. Okay. So like the, I call it like the anti-goal crowd. You know, in high school, there were like the different crowds, (laughs) you know, there were the jocks and then there were the theater people and they're okay. So this is like the anti-goal people. (laughs) Okay. Perfect. And okay. So, but yet, they don't necessarily love the fact that they're anti-goal, but they but they don't want to go there because it just doesn't feel good. So I like to say, what if we say they're priorities instead? What if just they're priorities? And I don't know if I've kind of had some second thoughts about that word downgrade. But what if what if we just shift the dial? Don't necessarily downgrade, but we shift mm-hmm. it to call them priorities. Where because you can't fa- fail at a priority, right? right? You can't fail at actually even choosing priorities because 
anything could be a priority versus people like, well, what should the goal be? I mean, you could say, what should the priority be? But we can make arguments that everything's a priority. Right. It's hard to make arguments that everything's a goal. Right. (laughs) So I think priorities, they actually allow you to focus a little more because goals, you think there has to be certain specific steps, whereas priorities, it's more creative in a sense. Like, let's Mm -hmm. see what comes of this. Let's try a few things and let's see what comes of it. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I like that because it's more experimental. You can try things out, whereas goals feel, at least in my brain, sometimes more rigid than not. Yeah, yeah. They're like priorities are kind of flexible. Yeah. Right? They're totally flexible, whereas goals are not. And also people get stressed out about like, well, I mean, if I don't reach the goal, it's just like all or nothing. Mm -hmm. Whereas priorities are not an all or nothing scenario. Right. Yeah. Right. When I and so, I wonder when you're thinking big too, like the the whole adage of shoot for the moon and you'll you'll get you know, shoot for outer space, you might land on the moon or whatever. Right. And, right. And and that speaks to priorities more than goals almost. Correct. I think so too. I think so too. So priorities are for a lot of people much more empowering mm-hmm. than goals. What works best for you? I like goals. I'm okay with goals, but I really need to know the why behind it. Mm. I really need to know the why behind it. I need to know, because that's usually tells a bigger picture. That's giving me a bigger picture if I know that why. And mm. it's a lot more motivating when I don't want to work on something specific that's that's fueling the goal or that's needed to reach the goal, right? Mm-hmm. So there's the parts that we don't like doing. But if yeah. I can go back to the why, then I can get there, I yeah. found. Like writing this book. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever written a book. I'm two years in. Okay. So you're <laughs> two years in. How's it going? It's hard. It's, it's hard, so hard, right? It's so much harder than I thought it was going to be. It's so hard. I could use a lot of expletives. It's yeah. so hard. Yes. Yes. You're like, yes, you are correct. Well, and and for me, I had this thought of like, I can treat it like a blog post because it's just going to be a collection of them. Right. And it just doesn't, there's something different about the motivation, the the why, the intention that makes it that much harder. 100%. Because I write like podcast outlines or blogs all the time. So I was like, Mm -hmm. well, I could be... But I quickly learned that there's short form writing and long form writing. And I was not an expert at long form writing. So I had to seek some assistance. You know, you have to kind of... Anyway, why was I writing the book? Like I had to keep going back to that or else I don't think I would have finished. And I also then secured support. I realized I couldn't do this alone. I kind of knew that from the beginning, but I even secured more support. (laughs) I had to change my thinking around it a little bit. It wasn't going to be as easy as I thought. There was lots of uncertainty in there. You had to keep Mm -hmm. taking consistent action or it never happened. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that writing the book was actually me thinking big. (laughs) It was kind of like I was living out what I was writing in the book. And allowing yourself to... I think evolve and shift and change through the process. Cause I think, yeah, I, I, yes. I, in the beginning approached it as almost an all or nothing. So at a, at a certain point I'm like, I'm a failure. I failed, uh-huh. you know, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever, I just stop. And I stopped for a little bit, but then I started picking it back up again because that's 
that attitude doesn't help get the, a book no, done that you care it's about. It's not going to get it done, right? Yeah. It's not going to get it done. So I did have to think big in order to write She Thinks Big. <laughs> <laughs> now, now here's the million dollar question that you probably get asked all the time is now will you think bigger and make the second book? I have gotten this. So I've already, I created a workbook. So that would be technically a second book. So I have a workbook that goes with the book. Nice. Um, Well, will I write a totally different book or a different topic? Maybe, but I have some other things I want to do before that. That's cool. I get some other things, but you know, it's, it's, if I think back on the last year in writing this, I mean, it consumed, it was consuming, all consuming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I want that for the next year. I definitely don't want it for the next year. <laughs> Maybe for the future. But you can finish your book and I'll cheer yeah. you on. How about that? I like that. I like that option a lot. Okay. Well, and I, I was thinking too, it's like sometimes when we get ideas, we don't allow them to evolve into something else, even though that might be natural mm-hmm. for the idea. So like mm-hmm. earlier in the year, I had one idea and it evolved into something for next year because I didn't want to do <laughs> the iteration of yeah, this idea. Yeah. And so I let it inform what I did want to do. So right. I, I, I like that idea that ideas will naturally evolve if we let them. Yep. So I think that that also goes back to the goals versus priorities. Mm. Like was the priority just to create something or is it, just, mm-hmm. or is the goal to create something specific, right? If it's mm-hmm. that sometimes if it's that specific thing, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, Andrea, this has been such a fabulous conversation, and I'm curious what advice, not advice, what wisdom you would like to leave with the audience right now. I would say that life is really just a journey in personal development disguised as an adventure. (laughs) So everything, you know, we think things should be fun and exciting, and lots, there's lots of fun and exciting but really what you're doing as you go through that, the ups and down, the fun and exciting and not so fun and exciting is becoming a different version of yourself. So that's why I think personal development, professional development, not and also not just like consuming it, but acting mm-hmm. on it. So like I'm all about listening to podcasts. I have one of my own. I'm all about reading books, clearly, but you've got to act on it too. So we can be passive take passive action, which is mm-hmm. kind of the listening and the reading. But I would say you need to take some massive action. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a book, podcast, or resource that prompted massive action recently for you? Um, I just reread The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Yeah. And that's a great book. And it kind of gave me, as I've kind of evolved over the last year, I've had to change where my ceiling is. It's all kind of about the ceiling, the glass mm-hmm. ceiling. So that's really been um, insightful for me in the past few weeks. And my own book, which I'm actually now turning into an audio book, so I'm reading it aloud. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. that's, that's been mind-blowing right now, too. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much, Andrea, for being a guest on Getting Work to Work. This was exactly the conversation I needed today. And most likely when I edit it in a month, it'll be the conversation I need in a month from now. So thank you for double duty of inspiration. I am glad I was here. There were so many aha moments for me during this conversation with Andrea. I'm not kidding. It was a month ago when we had this conversation. And when I said that editor Chris would get a lot from it too, 
I did. And I really love the bridge over the river misery tool, you know, the one going from impossible to inevitable. That is a helpful tool to be able to see different thought options, but also working through some of those ways that our brain likes to trick us into thinking that we're not valuable or what we're doing isn't valuable. I'm also really grateful for the conversation about the past, how it can be a teacher, not a fortune teller. I mean, that's some powerful stuff right there. And I can definitely use the past to beat myself up. So being able to see it in new ways, that's another way to generate thought options that are actually positive and affirming of myself. I hope you got a lot out of this conversation as well. Be sure to check out Andrea's website and her book for more of her wisdom. Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.